0: It's right by the seat right there, is my is the extra folder.
1: Reminds a little of us when
2: we can just give our mics. So, I might start up here, and just do like... That's what we want.
0: That's <laughs> what I was hoping. Okay, can yeah, I go with that? Yeah. That's so all we may, need. May, maybe just getting your your cowbell, and just going around the
2: audience. Now, we need more oh.
3: cowbell.
1: We heard you brought your
2: recording. Oh, I, well, I don't know about I have the cowbell band, though.
0: of worship Warner Stone.
1: Maybe. what a beautiful name well, and praise say. the I name
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> you guys good? Okay. good morning, everyone. If you could make your way back to your seat. And can they hear me? I think so. Yeah. Can you hear me now? <laughs> everyone, go ahead and make your way back to your seat and we invite you guys to stand with us as we worship this morning.
0: I was just telling Sarah that uh if you're by one of these tents and by a pole, you know, kind of stay a little bit close to that pole just in case you decide to go Mary Poppins style and fly over <laughs> to the. <laughs> so just be be safe out there.
1: Lord, I just thank you so much for this morning, Lord, for the opportunity just to come out here and just rest with you this morning. Lord, um, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that's moving and wants to teach us and convict us and encourage us, Lord. I pray you would anoint this worship, Lord, and open our hearts to just receive what you want to speak to each and every one of us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: endless word king of endless world no one could express how much you deserve About you, it's all about. trust the sweetest fray, but holy trust in jesus name sing that again Darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace in every heart. stand before the throne in Christ alone. Thank you. name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is,
1: the name of Jesus. Lord, it's just such a blessing to come before your throne of grace just boldly and um, just lay our worries of the world at your feet today and just set all those distractions aside. And just rest with you this morning, um, I thank you for your word that Brad Beers is going to bring in that, um, I pray you would open our hearts, Lord, I thank you for worshiping the gift that it is, we're just thankful for you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Let's say thank you to these guys that worked so hard to prepare that for us. That was lovely. Good morning. Good morning. I am so glad that you are here, because what that means is that we're still gathering, the church is gathering. And that's a beautiful thing you uh, you need it I need it we need it it's great that we're together this morning my name is Brad beers Uh, I am one of the leaders here and I have the honor of being able to share from Exodus with you this morning and I get to do so since we're outside the rules change so I get to be in shorts and I've got flip flops on and all kinds of things that my dad would have spanked my hand for back in the day. Uh, but I am so glad that we can be together in whatever form or shade or sunlight that may be. Uh, If you have a Bible, grab it, open it up to Exodus 31, because what I get to do this morning is continue the story that has been happening in Exodus, and in Exodus 31, we're going to cover verses 12 through 18 this morning, and in doing so, we're going to see the end of God's initial conversation with Moses. I don't know how well you know the story, but Moses has been up on Mount Sinai receiving information from God of what it's going to look like to legislate this new people that he has created for himself. He is giving the Jews the rules that they're going to live by. What is their covenant going to be with their God that had saved them out of Egypt? This is the last portion of the conversation. We're going to read it together. So, if you've got a Bible or some type of device to read it, go ahead, if you are able, and stand with me. We do this just as a tradition, as a church, just to honor God, knowing that the text that we read this morning is God's Word. And as a result, it is to be followed, it is to be uh, respected. And in it, we hear the words of an eternal being. Let's read together. And when I say that, I guess I should clarify if you're new here. I'll read and you can just read quietly. We're going to read Exodus 31, starting in verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, Yahweh, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it's holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, The people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Pray with me. God, I'm so grateful that we can be together as a church. And as we feel the wind going in our midst, I pray that that wind would be indicative of the Holy Spirit being present with us. That we might understand your text well, that you might help me communicate it well. And that in doing so, we would be ready to be obedient to you, the all-knowing one. The one worthy of all effort and all praise. God, use this time for your greatness. Draw us closer to yourself. Amen. You can be seated. So before you close your Bible, I want to make sure that you see some pretty important words. I tried to clarify them with the way that I read the text, but I want to make sure that you see some words here in this text that I think are pivotal words. Look again at verse 13. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, what are the next two words there? Don't be afraid to speak in church. It's okay. We're outside, especially. You get to, like, yell if you want. Okay. Uh, Clearly, none of you want to yell. That's fine. But what are the next two words? Above all. So when you see those words, do not go by them too quickly. Remember, this is happening in the same conversation as all the other Sinai conversation. What came out that was probably the part you're most familiar with in Sinai? The Ten Commandments. Do you notice that we've got Ten Commandments? Things like, don't murder, don't commit idolatry, and yet God says, above all, and then says, what's next? That is crazy. It's only crazy, maybe, maybe you caught it before. It was my first time seeing it as I was preparing to speak this morning. God literally is telling his people, here's murder, here's Sabbaths. The Sabbaths were more important to God than murder. Now, obviously God isn't going to say, all right, well, as long as you're doing the Sabbath thing, okay, kill as many people as you need to kill. None of that is actually what's coming out of his mouth, but you need to pay attention to the reality of words that we would so quickly go by. God says, above all, keep. And then whose Sabbaths are they? What's it say? My Sabbaths. He didn't say your Sabbaths. He didn't say the Sabbaths. He says, keep my Sabbaths. This is something very personal and very important to God. As we keep reading in verse 13. Above all you shall keep my Sabbaths. Why? For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. That you may know that I the Lord sanctify you. What God is setting up with his people is a difference Every time you see that word holy, you might be tempted to just think that somehow that means like morally pure. And it does have that connotation, that moral purity. But I personally have started, anytime I see that word holy, I've also started in my mind inserting the word special. That's a word that I've, be- I've become a little bit more accustomed to using. Because when God says that this day is holy, He's not just saying that this day is of moral purity. He's saying this day, this Sabbath, that is important to God is going to be something special when compared to every other culture that existed. The people of God are going to have a difference in their schedule so that they will know that Yahweh is the one that is making them special, is making them holy, is sanctifying them. In verse 15, we see a definition of what he means by Sabbath. Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy, special, specifically designated to the Lord. Why? Verse 17, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Refreshed. I want to implant an idea into you this morning that when we look at this text and when we try to think of the idea of Sabbath, there is something ancient that has been planted inside of you. And this ancient something is a sense of rhythm. Now, I've been a part of this church for six years. I guarantee you that you, most of you, have no rhythm whatsoever. You, most of you love when we do like the country songs because you don't have to remember where to clap. You just clap on every beat. Right? We are not a rhythm blessed church, musically speaking. Okay? God provides grace, which is wonderful. But, (laughs) speak for yourself. (laughs) I I don't mean to offend anybody, I'm just wanting to be honest. (laughs) But deep inside of you is a sense of rhythm. Now, some of you may not even necessarily be sure of what I'm talking about when I'm saying rhythm. Hopefully you can see me. I brought these, these drums up here to try to explain something to you. You see, if you've ever been around a child, a young child, so like if baby Hank, Henry Schroeder came up here this morning and I gave him these drumsticks, you know what would happen, right? This. single one of you eventually would come to a breaking point where you would say, Henry! Please stop. Why? Because there's something abrasive about it. But for some reason, one of the things you would start to do is you would look for a pattern. As all that slamming was happening, you'd start to look For things that manage to have a pattern. My dad, who's a pretty decent musician, once said to me one of the most pivotal things developing me as a musician. He said, Brad, one of the biggest things I like about how you play instruments is that you use space. Musicians call them rests. You ever heard this before? Back in those six piano lessons you took before your parents finally gave up trying to make you practice, or whatever the case is? Rests. Because there's a huge difference that we all identify with between this, we can't handle that, but if I use some rest, Even those of you who hate drums can handle that for a while. A whole lot more than you could handle the noise that was there. Because there is something implanted into us that identifies with a reality that life has a rhythm to it. God instituted for his people more than just this rhythm practice of Sabbath, if you, when you read the rest of the Old Testament law, you'll come across the fact that there was even a Sabbath year, not just a Sabbath day each week, but there was a Sabbath year every seven years where the land got rest. Agricultural people will tell you today that you need to rest, give your, give your land rest, or it will not continue to be fertile. Every 50 years, every seven groups of seven years, they would have what the year, what was called the year of jubilee, a year where everything went to rest. And it has been this way. God has intended this rhythm to be since the very beginning. When you read the creation story, do you think God really needed to take a nap on the seventh day? This is the God who created everything. He didn't need to lay back in a hammock. But He created a rhythm and an order that works, and it is deeply planted in us. And when God then sets up legislation for the Jewish people, He sets up that rhythm so strictly for them that if people refused to observe this rhythm, that they would be cut off from their people, they would be killed. Now, one of the things I I think Jesse has actually been doing a very good job of taking us through Exodus because there's a little bit of like an interpretive nightmare that we could get into where, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are still Christian brothers and sisters that you and I have today that still believe that following, uh, precisely following the Old Testament law is the requirement of Christians today. Our church does not take that stance but we still have decided to study Old Testament law. Why? When we come to it, we know, because we've learned from Galatians, we've learned from when Jesus told us in Matthew five, that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. When we come to it, we see how God has designed man to function. And when I say man, I mean people. How God has designed us, you and I, to function. It's interesting that Jesus was constantly in tension with religious leaders. And one of the biggest sources of tension, do you remember what it was? It was that he kept healing when? On Sabbaths. Jesus was constantly in tension with this religious elite because he did not comply with their Sabbath regulations. I want you to look at another passage this morning. Turn over to Mark chapter 2. Now this isn't necessarily a healing story, but it's probably the most important story for us to understand Jesus' perspective on Sabbaths. We're going to go to Mark chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 23. Mark chapter 2, verse 23 one, and then what's the next word? Sabbath. Okay, so if you were creating the music that goes for the movie that's going to be in this story, this would be the moment when you would insert that part that goes, dun-dun-dun, right? Sabbath, going to be a big deal. He was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, look. Look. Why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? And Jesus said to them, Have you never read what David did? When he was in need and was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which it is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And he also gave it to them who were with him. Notice what Jesus says here. He's about to say two huge things. Verse 27. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I want to look at those two phrases there. I want to look first at 28, though. Because I want you to remember what we read in Exodus 31. God said, above all, I want you to keep whose Sabbaths? My, my Sabbaths. God saying, my Sabbaths. When Jesus says in verse 28, the son of man, one of his favorite titles for himself. When Jesus says that he is Lord of the Sabbath. This is no small thing, friends. He just took the above all Sabbath instituted by Yahweh, the creator of the universe, and says, I'm in charge of it. That's a big deal. But in verse 27, I want us to also see that. For whom was the Sabbath made? Even though it's God's Sabbath, For whom was it made? Don't be afraid to answer. Man, people, humans. Even though it was God's Sabbath and he cares about it so much, who was it made for? It was made for you and I. Why was the Sabbath made for us? Why was it such a big deal to God that we take on this sabbath day i want you to think about yourself i want you to think about your neighbors i want you to think about your life your family's life what you've learned through history man always struggles with whether he needs god or can do it himself think about that in your own life I guarantee you, sometime recently, you have struggled with this tension. Do I really need God in this, or can I do it myself? Think about it all the way back to the first temptation in the garden. What was Eve actually tempted with? That she would gain the same level of knowledge of God. If you studied scripture... You've come across multiple Proverbs where God is telling us that he is directing our steps. In Matthew 6, in the Sermon on the Mountain, Jesus says, who of you by worrying can can really take care of your clothing and your food? James 4 says, hey, let's get together people who are thinking that you can make all these plans about tomorrow we're going to go to this city or that city. We are always trying to make things happen. On our own. So much so that I want you to think about this word. Ready for it? Workaholic. We now have a word called workaholic. I want you to contrast that word in your mind with the word alcoholic. If I stood up here this morning and told you, friends, I have to admit to you, I'm an alcoholic you would probably be filled with concern. You would wonder whether I need to be standing here this morning being the one delivering the message to you. Oh my gosh, one of our spiritual leaders is an alcoholic. This is something that we need to address. We've got meetings, we've got plans, we've got programs. If I say workaholic, some of you would be like, yeah, me too. What? Why has it suddenly become acceptable for us to be any type of aholic? let alone a workaholic because we are constantly struggling with the thought that we can make things happen on our own we're constantly struggling with i've got to make sure that my kids get distance learning done i gotta make sure that i get those plans done at work i gotta make sure that i get my firewood cut i got to make sure that my car is running. i got to make sure that I go to church because I'll get in trouble if I don't go to church. i got to make sure that I do everything. And God goes, that's cute. Because he knows that inside of you was implanted a sense of rhythm that was designed to be useful only when it goes from I gotta do everything to rest. We needed rest. Do you need to make things happen? You know what the irony is about all that noise that we make in our workaholism? All of these pressures that we put on ourselves about our workplace, about our kids, about our houses, about the things that we need to get done. All of these things, out of every single one of them, do you remember that there are literally only two things that you can take with you when you die? It's not your car. It's not your job. You could work your way to the top of the corporate ladder, and it doesn't matter. You could accumulate the most amount of things. It doesn't matter. Literally only two things that go with you when you die. The character you are, the person you have become, and the relationships you have built. That's it. That's it. Think of how much time we spend not working on those two things. And we wonder why we're not happy. We wonder why we struggle with anxiety. We wonder why even as Christians, we're really not that different from the rest of the world. Because we forget the way we were designed. A lot of it even comes down to a trust issue, don't you think? Trusting that if I don't actually get this stuff, or thinking that if I don't get this stuff done, I'm not really sure God will come through for me. That God helps those who help whom? themselves. Friends, I have paid significant amounts of money to understand the text of Scripture. I've been doing this now for about 35 years. I have not found that verse in the Bible. Please, somebody check me on that. Please, I mean, if I'm wrong, let me know. It's not there. The Sabbath was made for man. So, what's a Sabbath? If this is the way that we were designed and we don't necessarily have to legalistically apply it because it's no longer the symbol of just us as the Jews. But if the Sabbath was made for us and we were designed this way, what should it look like? And it is here that I must give you a note of caution. We live in a recreational-based community, don't we? We love our fun. I have no problem with fun. Please do not interpret anything that I'm about to say as I hate fun. Brad hates fun. Brad hates, no, 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 no. But for many of us, I need to argue that even our recreation practices might fit the definition of work that we're dealing with this morning. Think of how much time we use planning our upcoming recreation or shopping for just the right bindings, or for me, I mean, I, I'm with you. I'm not pointing at you and not me, okay, for, for Jeep parts, for me. How much time it takes to maintain our toys, make sure things are waxed and tuned and, t- and tightened, and whatever the case may be. We spend so much time planning our recreation, I wonder how recreational it really is when it comes down to the effect that it has on us. So, when we talk about Sabbaths this morning, I just want you to put a little red flag in your mind that we're not just talking about showing up to work. Okay? We're talking about the rhythm of the entirety of our lives. How we spend each week. How we spend all the time in that week. We're not just talking about ensuring that we we show up to work six days and then one day we don't. But, That being said, we learned some principles in Exodus 31 that I think we need to see about Sabbaths. So hopefully you still have your finger there. If you look in Exodus 31, I clearly don't, so give me a moment to turn there. If we turn to Exodus 31, we see a couple of things about how we were designed, about what the Sabbaths are supposed to look like for ourselves. Number one, in verse 14, that the Sabbaths are holy to God. They are special to God. They are specifically designated to God. And I would argue his purposes. Look at verse 14. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. It's special. It's unique for you. What else do we learn about the Sabbath in verse 15? Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn what? Rest. Rest. Somehow the Sabbath has to incorporate rest. Finally, in verse 17, one of the things that we're going to see as a result of the rest is that we were designed by this rest to be refreshed. It's a sign forever between, verse 17, a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. You know, another interesting thing that I I came across as I was preparing for this message and reading some commentaries, this is not the first instruction on Sabbaths that the people of God receive. You'll remember, I mentioned before in the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11, you'll come across some instruction about the Sabbaths. But interestingly, I found or I I came across a commentator that pointed out to me, the Sabbath instruction serves as the transition between God's relationship with man and man's relationship with others. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't make an idol. Keep the Sabbath. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. It's the Sabbath where the transition occurs. And I wonder if as a result of it, because we know that a Sabbath is holy to God and could be related to his purposes, if it would help us to see that a Sabbath probably contains a component not just of our relationship with God, but also our relationship with one another. I say that because remember the two things that I told you that you can take with you when you die? The second one was just your relationships. Relationships with God and relationships with one another. Now, before I then officially designate for you, therefore your Sabbath shall be the following. Let's make sure that we're all on the same page, okay? With the freedom that we have in Jesus, I cannot precisely tell you how your Sabbath needs to look. Praise God for the freedom that we have in Jesus, amen? But, my suggestion here is only as one of your spiritual leaders, just by way of trying to help you think through the practice of Sabbath for your life. Okay? I feel like I need to give you at least a little bit of practical information and not just, okay, go Sabbath, go, 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 go do your Sabbath thing. Okay? I'm gonna give you just a couple of ideas. One, talk about preaching to the choir. Ideally, a Sabbath day would also fall on the day when you meet together with your church family. Hey, all right, we're already one step ahead. Yeah, I, I see Laurel over there checking boxes. Check, <laughs> right? My, my wife loves crossing things off lists. That's, cross that off, check that box. But here's why. Ideally, it would be Sunday because in gathering on Sunday, and the reason why I always made the argument through all of this nonsense we've been going through Nonsense is the wrong word. All this difficulty we've been going through as a culture. I have been a proponent from day one that the church has to meet together. And the reason why is that we gain refreshment from gathering with our church family. Now notice, there are immediately some of you, especially those of you who are new to church or have difficulty interacting with people, you're going to immediately tell me, It is not a refreshing thing for me to be around people, especially church people. And to you, I say, I get it. I totally get it. I get it. I actually um, am am a completely being transformed from an introvert. I actually used to hate being around people, which made it really difficult when I was in ministry. But God has been changing my heart because I realized that it's really hard to have a relationship with a God and hate his wife. The bride of Christ, that's the church. It's pretty difficult to have a good relationship with somebody if you hate their wife. I don't know if you've tried. It doesn't go very well. But what's beautiful, you remember that verse that Paul says, I can do all things through through Christ who strengthens me? That has nothing to do with being able to fly or jump or dunk a basketball or any of these types of things, the context of of that passage is that if God is asking something of you, he will give you the resources necessary to accomplish that. Friends, if you have difficulty gathering as a church, I get it. Thank you so much for coming anyway. We're so glad you're here. For those of you in internet land, because I think we're still doing internet land. For those of you that are not wanting to gather, we get it, totally get it, and we long for you. Come be with us when you're ready. Now that means, for those of you who are gifted about being around people, church is not about you, okay? It's not about your comfort, there's a lot of people around you that might not be very comfortable. You get to try to make them comfortable. That's part of your responsibility. And as a result, when we start doing the things that God would have us do when we gather together, I guarantee it, over time, you will start to be refreshed by it. I can guarantee it. You will start to become refreshed by gathering together. So ideally, if we're looking at what a Sabbath would be, it would be a Sunday because that's when our church has chosen to gather together. Uh, there's nothing magical about Sunday, by the way. If our church tomorrow decided to gather on Thursday, I'd be 100% okay with it. But this is just the day that we've chosen for a variety of reasons, and this is when we gather, and I'm glad that you're here. But if it wasn't a day, if you couldn't come on a Sunday because of working or sickness or some other type of life difficulty and it couldn't be a possibility, I think it's okay. I think you probably could still incorporate the rhythm, the Sabbath rhythm, into your life, but that's where we really have to start relying on what we learned about the Sabbath. We remember from, 30, from Exodus thirty-one thirteen that it is God's day; it's His Sabbath, and we remember from those principles that one of the key things that we need to do is rest. Oh, there are so many different directives in Scripture to rest in Him, right? The one that's probably painted nicely in most of your houses is be still and know that I am God. That word be still means stop striving. Relax. You don't have to make everything happen. Relax and know that I'm God. When, when Jesus is talking to his people in Matthew 11 and says, come to me, those of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you Rest. Rest, I don't think, is just purely a spiritual thing if we're talking about practical tips for Sabbathing. Yes, spiritual rest is incorporated. You will only find your rest, your true rest, in your relationship with your Father. But at the same time, do not fear the nap. The nap is a wonderful thing. You don't have to make everything happen naps are okay. Sitting down for a little bit is okay. Rest. It's especially what we learn from Exodus 31, especially it's rest from work. So if we're talking about if we're talking about just practical tips, I I will I will immediately admit to you I have never built a business from the ground up and tried to run it. Never in my life. So Grain of salt, asterisk, whatever the case is. I would still argue to you, friends, I know that it's got to be tough to keep that thing going. But it's not really yours. You can take a day off. You can give it to God. You can trust him, especially if you're taking that day off, not because you're lazy, but because you're wanting to give God a day. He will honor that. He will. He will. And that honor may not necessarily come in the same form that you might think. It's just, this is not one of those chain letters of, I guarantee if you take a Sabbath from your business, you will, get, you will up your production by 25% and you will have all these. I'm not saying any of that. It might get way worse than it currently is. It might, but you can't take it with you. Invest in the way that you were directed to be by God because that was his design for you. Rest. Rest. Let me argue also for some of you, you probably on your, at minimum on your Sabbath day, you probably wanna take a break from the news and social media. Now, granted, I've taken a pretty big break, like I don't really do those things much anymore and it's because I found how much unrest was happening in my brain by exposing myself to that stuff. I'm not saying you have to completely take it out of your life. But maybe one day a week, take a break. Maybe just one day a week. Take a break from it and see what it does. See how maybe you don't have to worry about the new thing that everybody's worried about for just a day. You know, I think that now that we're looking to try to figure out, okay, well, then what would we do while we're resting? Do You see the problem with that question? <laughs> Is, that was the immediate form that my mind takes. Well, what do I do while I'm resting? No, 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 you're resting. Well, wh- well what do I do while I'm resting? Yeah, 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 you're resting. You're resting. But I think that rest could be, uh, a, a long time ago, somebody in the fitness world started taking the term active rest, which might actually work. It's. It, I'm not saying that you have to do some of these things, but we could apply it here in that You could rest and reflect. You could rest and pray. You could rest and meditate on scripture. You could rest even, I I would challenge you to even try if you can to incorporate maybe some times of solitude, some disengagement from other people. Not because we're avoiding other people, but maybe a rest might look like the ability to disengage so that you can better re-engage. But conversely, I would also argue to you that because they have this eternal value and because it is one of God's purposes, not just our relationship with him, but our relationship with one another, I would argue that maybe a Sabbath day is actually a good day to have some relationships with people as well. Not in a super duper crazy, we got to get all this stuff done together, but to invest in those relationships. A Sabbath is a great time to be spending time as your family. Friends, I don't know, uh, I I haven't met all of you, um, and I say this not necessarily because I want to somehow impress you or or, uh, make you listen to what it is that I have to say, but this is not my full-time job. I have a full-time job in the law enforcement world, and for the last four years, it has been my responsibility to work with juveniles in this community. I can tell you, I will not try to argue that I'm an authority but I can definitely see authority from where I'm standing. I will tell you, there are no kids in this community that are a complete absolute wreck that have great relationships with their families. None, because we were designed to be in that relationship with one another. The family is the answer to so many of society's problems. Invest in your family with your Sabbath. It is part of God's design for you to rest in him and in your relationships. You know that when the church first started, it actually didn't look like this. There wasn't like one person standing up in front of a bunch of people and talking. You know what it looked like? It looked like going to dinner at your friend's house. It was a meal. They would get together with their brothers and sisters and they would dine together. There's something magical that happens when you share food with one another. I I don't know what it is, and magical's the wrong word because I probably need a more churchy word, but there's something special about getting together and eating together. Isn't there? Well, apparently, you guys don't like to do it as much as I do. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's getting hot. I'm almost done. We're almost there. Friends, don't be afraid to invest in your relationships. As we, in my family, I'm not saying you have to do Sabbath like we like we do in my family, but we've tried to incorporate A restful day, but I've tried to build into that restful day reaching out for relationships, having people over for dinner, going to other people's houses, being with somebody else and not just with my family. And I find myself refreshed by spending time with these people. Finally, in terms of recreation, here would just be my advice. Remember, this is just advice. I think that recreation would still be appropriate on a Sabbath, You probably just want to do it lightly, restfully. If you are Amber Finch and you are capable of mountain biking 60 miles and saying, hey, I had fun. More power to you, Amber. The rest of you, don't do that. That's dumb. Don't do it. That's not restful. But maybe a little bit of time, a leisurely bike ride. I'm not saying no bikes. Maybe a little bit of a relaxing bike ride or something. That could work, right? Recreation could still be part of your Sabbath, but don't plan something that is going to make you more tired the next day. Did you see how in the Sabbath rhythm, the rest made you prepared for the other days? I don't want to go into my first day back to work so exhausted from my rest that I'm not prepared to live for God and his purposes as the missionary in my workplace. Because that's what you all are. You are the missionary. If you claim Christ, you are the missionary for your workplace. I don't want to be so exhausted from my rest that I forget what my actual job is when I'm at work. As the band comes back up to close out our times, or to close out our time, I'm just going to finish with these thoughts. deep inside of you, you were programmed with a sense of rhythm. And it's not one that was inherently musical, but it's a pace of life that is more ancient than anything else you've ever encountered. Unfortunately, many of us have forsaken this pace of life. And as a result we are paying the price in our physical, mental, and spiritual health. We allow ourselves to be pressured by so many things that ironically have nothing to do with the eternal. As Jesus told us, the Sabbath was made for man. So join me this day in regaining the rhythm by which you were intended to live. Return the pace of your life to the special purposes of your God. Present your time to him as holy, for he's worthy of every single ounce of it. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we praise you that you have given us freedom. We praise you that this is no longer something that that we have to worry about it being just one more thing on our list. Instead, we ask by your power that you would help us to see the way that you have created us, that you would reorganize us around your rhythm, that we would find our rest in you. And because of that, we get to see you at work instead of us just trying to make things happen. We get to see you involved in our lives. God, thank you that you would lower yourself to be involved in our lives. We praise you for your graciousness to us. Amen.
0: Friends, will you stand with us uh, as we leave uh, here today, just being reminded that our God is good. He gives us rest and as we leave here uh, and we look for wisdom and guidance in him as we sing this next song just a reminder to turn our eyes toward calvary that we are forgiven that we don't have to carry the burdens of life we come to him for he is worthy he takes those burdens let's join together friends
3: Cast my mind to Calvary Where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds, his hands, his feet My Savior on that cursed tree his body, his body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still, and all of Oh, praise. Oh. Of heaven rose again. Oh, trample death, where is your sting? The angels roll for Christ, the King. All together, friends. lift you up Jesus time together. Oh, Lord,
0: oh, Lord, our God. Lord, we lift you on high. Lord, you are deserving. And Lord, as we leave this place, just taking a moment, Lord, to, to realize that we find rest in you and you alone. Thank you for the words that you've spoken through, Brad. And I pray, Lord, that we leave here today um, encouraged, Lord, to take a, a rest in life, to not worry about tomorrow or has enough worries of, um, to take care of the day tomorrow, Lord. May we live for today, be encouraged to spend time with our, our church family or our, our immediate family to build each other up. Lord, prepare us for the week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you folks. Thanks for coming. Thanks for tuning in online. We'll see you when we see you. Take care.